This podcast contains graphic language which might not be suitable for all listeners. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Watch, Read, Listen, Feed, a new podcast here at WAMC. I'm Dave Hopper, the producer of the Academic Minute and host of the Creative Process Podcast, and I am joined on the podcast by... Louise Hendry. I am the owner of Down in Denver Bookstore in Stephentown, New York. Jamel Mosley, filmmaker, marketer. Um, I work with Collective Effort um, and Melly Media. Deanna Fox, I'm a journalist and I focus on food and agriculture. And today we're going to discuss the film Coherence, which was my choice, the novel Nutshell by Ian McEwan, which was recommended by Louise, the album Con Todo El Mundo by Krungbin, picked by Jamel, and the dishes we made that all contain turmeric, as dictated by Deanna. First up is Watch. I chose Coherence. The logline is... Strange things begin to happen when a group of friends gather for a dinner party on an evening when a comet is passing overhead. It was written by James Ward Burkett and Alex Minugian, I think, and directed by James Ward Burkett, starring Emily Baldoni, Maurice Sterling, Nicholas Brendan, and a lot of other actors you haven't heard of. (laughs) (laughs) It has a 7.2 on IMDb, 65 on Metacritic, and it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with 88%. It grossed a whopping $102,000 at seven theaters, and it was made for $50,000 total. It was made with Canon 5D digital SLRs, which I have, so I think that's cool, in a living room with eight actors who mostly improvised the dialogue and were kept in the dark about the story until they started shooting each of the five shooting days. Um, So I think we'll go around the room to the right, starting first. Louise, you can start off with some thoughts. Okay, I felt like I'd heard this premise a lot with independent films. Dinner party. A dinner party of people that you wouldn't expect to be friends. Like, they were all different ages and seemed to have, like, some, you know, some strange relationships there. But um, I did not have high hopes for this film because, as I said, I feel like I've seen a million independent films that start with a dinner party. Not one that I could name right now. (laughs) However... I really, really enjoyed this film, and I've already recommended it to some people to go and rent it from their local library. I was captivated. I really got into the story. It was tense, and and I'm not sure the runtime, but the time went very quickly, and I'm still talking about it with some of my friends that I watched it with. Did not have high hopes at all. I'm always suspicious when I don't recognize one name. And not only did I not recognize one name, I didn't recognize one face either. Yes. But <laughs> it, I thought it was a really interesting story, and it played with my mind, and it was a really good you know, Saturday night watch. Great. Jamel? How did you find this film? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually forget. I Were think you in this film? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, there were actually a couple extras, I think, who played, we'll get into that later, who they played, but I was like, when were these people in it? Um, I don't remember. I think it was just somewhere online, someone was talking about movie, it might have been on Reddit or something, which I have a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> um, like, movies you haven't heard of that you should see or something like that, and or movies you should go into without knowing anything about might have been something like that. And so I checked this one out, and I was pretty impressed. I enjoyed it. What would you think? I thought it was... 
okay, it's really hard for me not to like anything, <laughs> any type of movie, because I feel like. So if someone makes Jamel really hate something, you're doing a good job. So yeah, I, because I feel like, especially like if you put, uh, you know, intelligent minds behind something, there's going to be something I like about it, and and I can like really focus on that. So the thing I really liked about it, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty smart. Uh, the thing I didn't like about it often was the dialogue. Um, so you didn't so like I, like the improvised. Yeah, because I could tell that it was it was improvised in in many points because like uh, things weren't. I I don't want to give away the story, right? No, so, we can talk about it because okay. we're gonna do the trailer episode two weeks before. So all right, cool. Don't worry about spoilers. Okay, so things weren't matching Coherence? up. Yeah, <laughs> but they weren't matching up even before the the coherence part, um, before the the comment. Things weren't. Uh, what would you say? Connected directly to the way that actor is supposed to act. Okay. You know, so they were uh, acting that out character, of character. That acting out of character. And I was like, why is everybody being an asshole at this table? <laughs> <laughs> and then they would just move on to the next subject without addressing the that the way that they were acting. Well, I thought it was strange because yeah. there was that um the you know the outcast the black sheep the girl that's invited yeah. that was dating the other girl's boyfriend yeah. and then another gentleman brought her to Lori, the dinner yeah. party yeah. and you were sort of like what kind of friends are these that you're yeah. bringing you know you're, you're these are friends that I felt like yeah. you wouldn't I have oh. <laughs> <laughs> so these so, are complex like, I know these people these are yeah. LA people or something like that but yeah I, at yeah. first that's why it threw me for a loop and I was like oh no this is gonna be one mm -hmm. of those you know indie films where you're like why are these people like friends? Mm -hmm. But apparently those friendships do exist. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> I, I can see that now. But I felt like then when the story and uh -huh. the, the, everything kicked in and the, when the first two gentlemen came yeah. back from their exploration, then that's when I got involved. So it wasn't yeah. so much that I liked the characters as much as I liked how the story went. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like the story, the characters are definitely interchangeable. And yeah. they were. Yeah. And and also I'm a sound guy, so the sound was pissing me off in the beginning. It <laughs> yeah, was, it was really that's a big thing about indie filmmaking. Like, do not screw up the sound. Yeah, because people are much more forgiving with Bad shooting audio. on yeah. equipment where it's not like the huge filmmaking camera, but yeah. they're less likely to overlook the video. Bad sound. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I was watching this with my girlfriend, and when we we're at the whole dinner table scene, she was like, "These." Are people I would never want to hang out with. <laughs> uh, that's two. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's it. I'm. It was. It was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. She wanted to turn it off, but she. <laughs> what, she at was, what point did she want to turn it yeah. off? I think it was kind of towards, like I think within the the first fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah. But after that, you know, she kind of got engaged in it and was like, "All right, um, thanks for letting me watch this. I, it was. It was interesting." You know, because she would never choose to yeah. watch it. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't probably choose to watch it either. Yeah, I actually really liked it. Um, I liked it a lot, and I have like Louise recommended it to people too. And some people I've recommended it to have seen it, and I was like, "What do you huh. mean that you've mm. seen this movie?" <laughs> um, I yeah. So I actually Nicholas Brendan, I recognized him, and I was just oh, like, "That yes, was yes, so that weird." Was the one. And that that was the one thing. It kind of every time I kept seeing him, and like that really like impish grin that he has. Because he was what in Buffy or some I think sort he of was CW Buffy. show. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I think he was. And you were Buffy. like, "Oh, this is what's become of you." But, but it was funny that he show. was like the guy who kept oh. saying, "Like, oh, of course you recognize me. I've been on TV like <laughs> yeah, throughout yeah, the whole yeah. movie." The whole Roswell. Um, he was playing yeah. himself. Right, right. Yeah. And it was. 
Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. The, the actual characters themselves, like, I know those people. Those are real people. <laughs> I have been at a dinner party with all of those personalities before. And wow. sometimes I still have dinner with them. I would never rent a beach house for a week with them. <laughs> but um, mm. they are interesting people, but they felt really relatable. So I, I kind of got that. And people who just overhype like everything like yeah this comet is happening and oh my god the power went out but jesus the power went out like just light the candles don't go outside don't do anything <laughs> like what are you doing um without giving too much of, of the movie away but uh, i did really like the movie and the person who i thought i would the who i thought was the protagonist in the movie ends up being the antagonist in the movie mm. and that threw me for a little bit of a loop too because i really wanted to like her but then it was like oh really you know, m yeah yeah i think it's the whole uh are we the dark versions of ourselves? And yeah. I, mm. I don't know if it's yep. the whole first house or if it was just her. Right. Who's like the dark version. And then like the Mike who comes in and beats up Mike at the end. Right. That's obviously, he was drinking first. <laughs> he started <laughs> drinking early on. And that's who the Mike who didn't do that was scared of, as mm -hmm. obviously we know he should be. Um, it's weird watching it the second time, knowing what's going to happen. Because I don't really rewatch movies that often. Okay. Yeah. I'm one, like, I watch it, and then there's so much more I want to watch, I'll go watch something else. So it's really interesting watching this one and having it spoiled for you because you've seen it already. And knowing that when Amir and Hugh come back, they're from a different house. Yeah. And then, like, watching their reactions the second time was really interesting. Yeah. And the thing that I thought was really interesting, too, was... Um, if you've ever been in a relationship where you've been like vaguely gaslit and you're like, you know, and it plays out how you're remembering that fight mm -hmm. and how I'm remembering that <laughs> fight are not at all mm -hmm. at all coherent. Right. So they're not even close. And then to watch these characters who are in like intimate relationships with each other in various forms have completely different recollections and takes on what is reality and what like the touchstone of truth is. Um, I found that really interesting too because I felt like I felt very violated. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> I know what that feels like, but without slipping into some sci-fi wormhole. But <laughs> it was, uh, it was. I thought it was a great movie. Good, I'm glad. I probably should tell people who haven't seen it who just want to follow along. Um, so the people at this dinner party, this Miller's Comet, which apparently doesn't exist in real life, <laughs> passes overhead, and then their power goes out, and they go outside, and they see a house up the street they think is up the street that still has lights on and there's this void in the middle where if you walk through the void you were put in another of i think it, they calculated the end like 5.1 million different realities who are all of the same people in it but they're kind of the same kind of different so it could be like you who didn't get rid of your drinking problem like mike had or you're emily and you've said to kevin i'm coming with you wherever he's in japan i think or mm -hmm. in asia so there's all these different personalities who are clashing and showing up at different houses with different versions of yourself. So from there, I thought it was interesting how they ended up doing the box and Emily's at the end. And like Emily's basically the only one who's like, you know, I've seen this before and the rest of them are all kind of going with it a little bit more than she is. And that's why she, one of the reasons why she decides to leave. But I think when she talks to Mike at the end and says, trying to tell him that they're all from different houses, when I first watched it, I thought it was the Mike from the house when she started with. Mm -hmm. And I totally didn't get that he said his token was a napkin at the end, so it wasn't. I don't know. That was like one of those things you get on the second viewing, that it actually, she was the only one from her original, original. house there. 
though. I thought that I thought it was a interesting movie. I thought we could have some interesting discussion about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's funny that you relate to all these people, because to yeah, me this I is know, all I'm like a crap person <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> 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 it's a facade of you know uh, purity and, and goodness, but inside <laughs> it's just like dark and yeah. spider webs. Yeah. So you related to M? No, I just I don't know if I related to any character, in mm-hmm. pa- not one particular character, but like the people. Like, yeah. just that dinner party, especially in the beginning, like, how, like, phony the hugs were. Yeah. How, like, <laughs> put upon the actual setting was. Um, and then just, like, having connections with people where you're like, oh, my God, we experience things completely differently. We, we just had a completely different experience. How we got mm-hmm. to this point here, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I could relate to that for sure. Yeah. Interesting. And I think the way they kept the actors in the dark, I know it seems, like, a little unscripted. At times, mm-hmm. but I feel like what I think what he was trying to go for in the interview I read was trying to get more naturalistic stuff besides making it seem like this would happen in the script next. I think and I'm yeah. actually going to watch it a second time now that we've had this discussion and now that I know that they were kept in the dark. And yeah, I thought, I, thought I read something that said, too, that he chose people, he cast people who are improv actors. Like, oh they yeah? specialize in improv, so mm. they were kind of more adept mm. at handling that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely interesting on a second viewing. Mm-hmm. It adds a lot more layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, he hasn't made anything since. <laughs> so what year was this? 2013. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that just tells you how a lot of people have liked this movie, and the only thing I think he's done since was some art for Baby Driver. Oh, and wow. That's, it. that's interesting. Cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's just like one of those things where you, you put all this, you make a film for $50,000, people receive it, you get all these actors in it, and... <laughs> then You've got to really yeah. love it. Yeah. Doing it. The process, right? Not the outcome. Yeah, so I feel like I hope he gets to make something else. <laughs> We're with you, James Ward Burkett. Okay. <laughs> so let's do ratings. For you three, we'll start with Louise. Definitely a three. Okay. Jamel? I will give it a two. Deanna? A three. Sweet. Already then. That's one of those things where it's like, this is the movie I want to recommend first, and then you get all right. nervous because you're like, oh, <laughs> are people actually going to like it? <laughs> and you're like, you almost change it at the last minute to something right. else, like more safe or something. Yeah. But the, phew, I'm glad I went with my yeah. gut on that one. Okay. That's watch. Now we're going to go on to the read portion. Louise, introduce the book you chose for us. Okay. The book I chose is called Nutshell by Ian McEwen. Ian McEwen is a rather well-celebrated and internationally best-selling author of um, Atonement, The Cement Garden, Amsterdam, Saturday. And I love this book because I just found it in my bookstore down in Denver Books. And... (laughs) It was called Nutshell, and I've always had sort of a love-hate relationship with Ian McEwan books, but it was like a Sunday afternoon, and I picked it up. It's like 200 or so pages, and I thought, okay, quick read, and I just thought it was like nothing else I'd ever read before. It's somewhat of a dark comedy, as the perspective is from that of an unborn child, and he overhears his mother and her lover, who is actually his uncle, plot the murder of his biological father. 
And it's just a very interesting book. Lots of quirks. The baby is incredibly pretentious. He's, <laughs> he's pretty much like the English version of Stewie Griffin from Family Guy. Exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> you know, exactly you know he, his mother is a drinker, so he's already, you know, giving you descriptive words that, you know, uh, would... Uh, make a food and wine journalist proud and this is oh, an yeah, no, 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 child. put me to shame. Oh, like, I could not, I was like, ooh. You know, McEwen got to sort of show off, you know, I think it was somewhat of an essay of his personal feelings because he was able to project them onto this unborn child. And it was just a really interesting little read um, of unlikable characters, including that of the, of the unborn baby. And um, yeah, I just thought it would be an interesting read as it's from a different narrative. That we've that we're used to. Let's start on the right, Jamel. Uh, I love this book. Yay. <laughs> it, was am- it was amazing. So in a nutshell, you loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was waiting a- since you recommended for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Um, the first thing I picked up, I was like, "This kid is Stewie Griffin." <laughs> Before he was born, because he was like. What is Stewie Griffin? He often wants to kill his mother. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, Although this baby Amongst loves his he lo- the mother. But he was but he yes. was uh like so kind of battling with cave, that, yeah. you know. So he was just like, oh, damn, I love this woman, but he's like he also wanted to kill her at times, and he wanted to kill his uncle, and um, it, I thought it was great. Um, I I started to even I love how over five, I think it was like five um chapters it was unfolding the characters and the the character development was really good but then also the suspense and trying to figure Mm -hmm. out who uh this person was like i don't think they told you it was his uncle to like the fourth chapter or something Mm -hmm. like that um I i thought it was great um let's see what do i have here in my notes um I love how they, they didn't reveal that it was the home of the the father until like maybe the third or fourth chapter i i, I really like the structure of it uh, there was this point and it the whole thing was like just really just poetic in, in the way that it was written and i think it was very um true to um i, I love when pieces of art are the context and the form kind of like uh, complement each other. It was kind of like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, I always think of the way that. Did you see the latest Spider-Man? No. Mm-hmm. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we're not supposed to talk about budgets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Budget breaking movies. Yeah, in this I know, but it, it was this Spider-Man was done really well, and it was like, it was done in the way that a teenage Spider-Man okay. would be portrayed. You know, like kind of like selfies and, yeah, and things yeah. like that, and like the the way it was was filmed was was great, and I think that was similar to the way that Nutshell was written. Um, I loved it. There was this point where he was talking about um, it was the moment when the uh, the father's perceived girlfriend at uh-huh. the time, mm-hmm. uh, the uncle and the and Trudy were around the table and they were talking about uh, the wine that they had and that they, he, he wished they, he had something that was more appropriate you know, for the I emotional tenseness. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, and, and he, he imagined himself going down to the cellar and picking it up and picking up the bottle of wine and squinting at it, yeah. and that, squinting at the label. And yeah. I thought that was like, ah, it was just such a good visual. Yeah. Um, I usually don't read, um, novels and and i'm reading like business books and like, oh, really? like that's <laughs> that's mm-hmm. just what i do 
And so, like, this was a, a great um, a deviation from that. Thank you. <laughs> so I agree that I loved this book, and it was such a quick, suspenseful read. Um, I felt like it was like this pinnacle, like going up, 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 a roller coaster. Then you expect this huge like thrill of going down, and then you just don't. Like you just stay there. So when mm -hmm. it ended, I was just like, <gasps> like it like <laughs> caught me. Um, it read like Hamlet to me. Yeah, so, there was yeah. there was a yeah. lot of uh, online. There was a lot of discussion, um, about which that. was really interesting. Right. So I read the book and I went on and I was like, this feels like vaguely like Shakespearean. And then I went on and I was like, what? But <laughs> um, I thought Ian McEwen is a master. I mean, his his yeah. mastery of language is just superb. Put yeah. so many other novelists and just writers and mm -hmm. my definitely my hopes for ever being a novelist to shame. That's how um, I felt. <laughs> yeah, it's like I could I never. This is never gonna be. I could spend my <laughs> lifetime just doing this and never be as good. Um, but I did, yeah, a lot of the comments that you guys have said, I, I also loved, but I, I loved the way that the kid talked about wine. I loved, um, even like how he would picture things being in the world. Like, yeah. I feel like I have some sort of concept on what blue would be, right? Well, you know, what these things are that Golden. I hear people talking about. Yeah. I can imagine mm -hmm. them. Right. Um, and I actually really loved the mother. Mm -hmm. So oh, interesting. I had this really interesting, it was just like, um, mm. I, I guess I just felt for her. I had a lot of empathy for her. Not mm -hmm. that I've ever been pregnant. And uh, I actually, I'm really glad I have two children. I'm really glad I had them before I read this book because <laughs> <laughs> I could never have sex while I was pregnant or oh, anything. Yeah, yeah. If I read this oh, book, God. I was like, too dramatic. Um, it was so <laughs> awful. Just thinking about all the things that you would do. Yeah. Um, but then I never drank when I was pregnant either. And I was like, well, this kid thoroughly enjoyed it. My children could be <laughs> so much more sophisticated now if I had actually boosted Higher up Higher tolerance level. Oh, right. Yeah. They'd be great. They'd be set. But uh, I, I really, uh, with Trudy, I felt like, I felt at first all the characters were a lot older than they revealed themselves to be. I thought Trudy would be like almost 40. Um, and she was in like her 20s. Late eight, yeah, late yeah. 20s. I think 28 or so. Um, and then just this, like, I don't feel like she ever would have decided to kill or want to kill John or get together with Clyde or sell this house. I felt like it was a lot of things that were, like, supplanted in her mind by her lover, by this weird dynamic between two brothers, by being pregnant. And the other thing that made me mad was that nobody cared about this kid. No, no. Like, it was they talked about obvious. it was like a throwaway baby. No. Like, what exactly. was it? Yeah, John, when he was leaving, right. he said, okay, I won't, See you, you know, we shouldn't year. talk. Yeah, right. we shouldn't yeah. talk yeah. for a year. John is the biological father. Yeah. Never mentions, oh, I'll be in touch about, you know, yeah. the and baby. Then, yeah, when the baby's actually born and just how Trudy handles the whole thing, um, I thought that was like the first chance that there was any kind of empathy for this child, any sort mm. of compassion. Um, and yeah, I, I, great suggestion it was a wonderful book and it's like a beach read i feel like you could like you know heading into summer you could kind of if you're going to be away for five days you could you could definitely plow through this one which is also appreciated what beach are you going to <laughs> it's, it's a very dark cloudy <laughs> you have to keep it you know island. checks checks and balances you know, too much beach. sunshine and happiness and like yeah. you know <sighs> Bring it back down. Yeah, towards the <laughs> end, he said something about, uh, for the most part, I'm excluded. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That he, but he still felt, like, so vindicated and wanted yeah. to, like, be this <laughs> arbiter of justice. And it was, yeah. like, nobody gives a, nobody cares about your kid. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just come be born and find another family. So yeah. you're good. I thought that was, sorry, one more thing. I thought it was really um, <clears throat> contemporary. Like, sometimes I would 
I would think that this book was older, like mm-hmm. mid-90s. But then they would talk about like the Duchess of Cambridge. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, whoa, when yeah. was this book Same written? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were talking about uh, podcasts and yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, I didn't care for it. I'll be the first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just because I have a young kid and I was just like oh, yeah. heartbroken reading about this kid. I mean, my kid's yeah. 18 months old. Mm-hmm. So I see this little guy walking around yeah. every day. And it's just, oh. Like, I, I, the pregnancy of my wife is still fresh in my head. <laughs> and, like, you know, I see pregnant because I'm yeah. with a lot of other parents and people on my street. We have a lot of young families on our street and people walking around with babies. We were just hanging out with uh, our neighbor down the street who's pregnant with their second. So it's just, like, the I don't know if it's just in my the, the mind space that I'm in right now. It's just, like, that whole newborn, new parent thing. And I was just like, ah, oh, I don't read this yeah. <laughs> i felt so bad for the kid and he's with these terrible yeah. people and he's gonna have you know a terrible life he feels with like foster parents which may or may not happen we don't know um just like having the ending where it's just like the two of them and this kid you just feel like this kid has no chance whatsoever with these people mm-hmm. like you know as going through the whole book talking mm-hmm. about you know i feel excluded and they're having sex it was just sex scenes were horrible they oh, were God. horrible oh. I was trying to look up what the quote is like, yeah, have you ever had, you know, your father's enemy's penis an inch away from your head? I was like, wow, that's that's never been written in literature before. It was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I could not stand that. That (laughs) He's trying to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah, The baby's trying to kill himself. But then at the end, he he, feels like the last two pages, maybe three pages, um, speaking of his mother, like having this realization, like he's gone, grown to hate this woman. And then he's like, this is my savior. Like yeah. uh, um, a refugee, you know, thrust upon a, a, a beach, essentially, you know, like yeah. this is my safe space now. And now, mm. and then what, you know, nobody yeah. knows. I will say the writing was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure. I, the parts I liked the most were was talking about current events that weren't related to his terrible situation <laughs> like when it went back to claude and trudy and john and um elodie is that how you say her name i guess that's mm-hmm. yeah elodie yeah. yeah it's just like oh god now yeah. it's like I, I did not like reading about that part because i'm just you know hurting for this kid is going to have this terrible yeah. life and um maybe it's just because i sit here and listen to the news all day <laughs> In my job, and we were like current bad news and bad news, and it's just I couldn't escape, I guess, into this maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's fine because I, I watch films that, unfortunately, I've watched a lot of films recently where there's bad things happening to babies, and I'm uh, like, yeah. oh, not again. Yeah. So maybe it's just like a bad <laughs> confluence of events before I read it. But um, I do like that there were short chapters, and yeah. not because I like, um, like, oh, I did one chapter, I'm feeling good now, <laughs> but like it kept you going in the book because sometimes you can get lost in a 40 page chapter where you're like, I'm never going to finish this chapter. And it totally takes yeah. you out of the reading flow. Yeah. Whereas this, like it was quick, it was quick, it was quick. And, uh, I do like the 200 pages for me probably felt longer than for you guys. Um, but when I read it, it was like two nights mm-hmm. maybe. And like one day I started it and then I got distracted and then it was two nights. Cause you do have to figure out what's going to happen. You know, you want to know what's going to happen to this kid and these people. Although I will say, they killed John off pretty earlier, earlier than I thought. Like mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be at the end, mm-hmm. oh, like that, that they would actually, be the, like, the yeah, at the beginning when he's talking about their plan, I'm like, I figured it would come later in the book. So that was surprising. Yeah. Um, 
And I like the descriptions of the police and the impending doom at the end with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like the way you finished that whole thing where Claude's asking her for the passport. Yeah. And oh, she yeah. And they turn it. on each other. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, every part of their personality showed that they were, you know, foreshadowed that they were going to turn on each other. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was not going to stick around for her. Yeah. No. Or the baby, obviously. Yeah. No. The thing, just a testament, I think the thing that was really rang true, like the storyline, the characters were all really fascinating, but you're right, the language was just superb. It was beautiful. It was. And I, you know, when I get a novel, a lot of times I just pick it up at the library and I'll read through however much and it's like, all right, this is a book I want to own and this is one I'm actually going to go buy because I mm-hmm. read with a pen. I'm a pen reader and I'm always like circling. <laughs> Got one free for four twenty five. Awesome. <laughs> 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 always like circling and going back like words that I might want to use or interject into a story at right. some point. And uh, yeah, so I'm definitely going to buy this one. Great. Yeah. I had trouble with the suspension of disbelief of the language the baby used too. I know it's gorgeous language. And I'm glad some of you guys found it mm-hmm. good. But to me, it was I had trouble with the, I don't know. If there was like a more, I know Ian McEwen is not going to do like a, a simple writing. Goo goo gaga. Yeah. Not exactly that, but talking about listening to podcasts and learning things. But we go over and beyond like mm-hmm. even the knowledge of that, that even his mother, the adult would have picked up. Mm-hmm. Well, so sometimes for me, I it just, I just couldn't get into that headspace. I think the the reaction and emotion that people feel to a thing like when you have a really superb glass of wine or something you know that just resonates through your whole body through your whole being you can immediately identify the emotion the thing that becomes the issue is when you have to try to communicate it to somebody else and Mm. it was just kind of like this weird you're right you know suspension of belief but um it's also kind of cool like at what point do we just have to learn like you know kids in the first five years of life develop pretty much all the language they're ever going to use and you know it just it was like it made sense for this kid to have that language because it's basically like he's not really talking he's just processing through emotions in his own way and i'm probably not clarifying what i'm really trying to say but it just was really interesting like we already have all of that emotional context inside. It's yeah. trying to communicate. That's it. how and I he wasn't felt talking to anybody really. He was just like yeah. talking to himself. So it made sense for him to use that language. That's yeah. how I was feeling. It was like, okay, well, what if that is how we are? And then yeah. you know, you're born and this, you know, the slate yeah. is clean, and it's like, shit. Now I gotta like get back that right, language. Right, right. I gotta recover <laughs> those emotions, right? Because as soon as you're young and you know, get born and you're dumbed down and talked to as a baby, right? It's like. God, this guy's already a genius. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe we need to talk to children as if they're adults instead. Yeah. But well, they do know, obviously that's you know a bit over the top reaction. But I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Well, that's funny because my son is at the point where he's his language is expanding a lot, and he's having temper tantrums because he's failing to communicate what he wants right. for mm-hmm. certain things. And for you know, <coughs> we have sign language that he knows that sort of cuts down on that. But then there's so much more, obviously. As mm-hmm. you grow older, you learn to communicate more. So that's funny you're thinking of that because I see my son f- like, don't you know what the hell I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. idiots? And it's is that the language you use? <laughs> <laughs> just, just like my last thought on that, I guess is like that's isn't that where like all angst and frustration comes from in the world? Like when mm. you lack don't of have communication. Yeah. lack of communication or just the inability to air grievance in a way that matters. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't get upset when he doesn't have anybody to talk about the spectacular wine with. Because yeah. it's not really a grievance. It's when he's frustrated that he can't get out and do something about the situation. Yeah. No that's going to, like, doom him, too. Yeah, that's when, like, the anxiety and the 
the frustration come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like your kid, you know, he can't he can't tell you that he's mad about something because he doesn't know the word he yet. He can't tell me he wants yeah. the Pinot Noir tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just throws the whole wine rack down. Yeah. Oh, he tries. Don't yeah. Worry. Awesome. <laughs> Do you have anything else, anybody? All right. Mm. Time for ratings. Jamel? Three. Yeah, A strong three. Yeah. Also three. I'm sorry. A one? Yeah. Oh. I just, it was just, it was just really tough for me to get through it. And I think it's just the, the, the headspace, yeah, and the emotional <laughs> stuff that, yeah. I'm, you know, the, what I, my life is so predicated on this little 18 right. month old, you know, yeah. focus of being a parent when they're that young and need constant attention. <laughs> yeah, my stomach is definitely weakened to like stuff that involves danger to children. Yeah, yeah, I was. I, was I just really like cry and I go climb into bed with my kids. I'm like, yeah. I love you so much. <laughs> I was really wondering what the the divide would be between parents and non-parents with this yeah. book. Yeah, well, really I loved it. I loved the yeah. book. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move on to listen. And Jamel, you picked. I picked Contoro El Mundo by Kruangbin. Uh, Kruangbin is an American musical trio from Houston, Texas. Formed of Laura Lee on bass, Mark Spear on guitar, and Donald Ray DJ Johnson Jr. on drums. Uh, so they blend all different types of music. Uh, it's very interesting. I, I kind of see it as like the West and East worlds, uh, where it's like they do this kind of Cali surfer rock stuff, and then also they claim to be really uh, inspired by Thai funk. It's mostly instrumental kind of vibe music, which I love. Um, I showed it to some uh, people over at the, what was it Superior Merchandise, and they just loved it, and they just play it in their uh, in their uh, coffee shop all the time. Uh, I love that it's mostly instrumental, and there's like little whispers of voices yeah. in there. There's like soul mixed with funk, mixed with you know again the the Cali Surfer music, and I love it. This is their second album, um, and. That's it. How did you discover them? Actually, I discovered them through a friend, DJ True Master. Mm. He uh, sent me the album, and he said, you're going to love this, and I loved it. Yeah. So I didn't love it. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I listened to the album in its entirety a couple of times, and I listened to it in sequence. And I felt, at first, like the first couple of tracks, I th- there were 10 tracks. I, think I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I felt the first couple of tracks, I was like, okay, yeah, this is like, this is all right. And then it just felt way too redundant. Like it was the mm. same guitar trill over and over again. It was the same, almost like the same beats I felt. It just felt like um, small riffs on the same concept. Mm. And that makes it what works for an album, right? Because an album, I just feel like albums are dying. Like people are just releasing yeah. singles and mm. to have like one mm-hmm. conceptual thing. Um, it was super cerebral. So mm. it makes perfect sense that we play in the coffee house. Um, or if I was having like a dinner party or something, um, hopefully not a coherent version, <laughs> <coherence> <laughs> version of the dinner party. <laughs> not with those people. The vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it could be great music when we all die. Now that would be comment. interesting to put this behind that movie. And see yeah. <laughs> the remix. Wow. Um, yeah, I could totally get it because it does have these little like moments where it just kind of like pings you and you, your ears perk up again. But I felt like overall it just was a little bit too redundant for mm-hmm. me. And if I was breaking it up and I was listening to it in like a uh, playlist, mm-hmm. I would probably like it a lot better. I didn't like listening to it in its entirety mm. in the album yeah but i've also never listened to thai rock so, or thai <laughs> funk so now i have to like go look that up yeah. right i was sort of in the same boat it is a little bit samey for me i wish like i like the song the fourth song august 10 sort of breaks up after the first three songs kind of come at you pretty good 
And I like that uh, one of my favorite bands, Arctic Monkeys, does that a lot. They have those three songs at the beginning that are really short, and then they sort of break it up with a slower tune or something a little different, like the single will come on, feels a little bit different. So I like how that, and then the middle of the album was kind of um, a little bit slower. Mm. And then there was, um, I think uh, the song Evan F- Finds the Third Room kind of brought it back up again. Yeah. And then there's a hymn after that. And then the last two, that song might be before the last song or two songs after that. And uh, I thought the ending kind of brought it back full circle to the beginning. Um, I agree it's something you put on in the background. Like if I, for me, if I was on the beach, I would like something like this in the background because it's nice something to listen to. It's kind of got that vibe. Um, no one's going to really yell at you for putting it on. It's not going to like, you know, crash someone else's day if you're putting on like metal or something at the beach. <laughs> One of my problems is, and this kind of might be an instrumental thing, even though I love instrumental music, is like you're talking about those guitar lines. They're not different enough from each other. Whereas if I get, I've gotten that this album in my head like every day of the last week because I've listened to it a lot, but I'm not sure what song it's from. <laughs> so like there's not enough, like obviously um, there's some vocals on some tracks and I'll get to that in a sec, but the guitar riffs, like I'm like, what song is that? Cause like I got this and I could be, I think like could be any of three or four songs mm-hmm. that this comes from. So that's one issue I had with it is I'm not sure, you know, what part of this I'm liking more than the other, what part getting stuck in my head. But I do like, I really did like the, the vocals in like Lady and Man that come on at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Evan finds the third room and a couple others. I thought that brought a little bit different to it than just, I like that more than just the guitar riffs, which you said sounds similar and yeah. I agree. Um, so that, that was, um, <laughs> Wait, what was that? That's what's that been in my head for like <laughs> four days now. That was, uh, Maria Tambien. Yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was my favorite. Yeah. My favorite um, tune. My favorite tracks were, uh, like at the ones I said, Lady and Man, August 10, Evan Finds a Third Room, and the last one, Friday Morning. Mm. I know I've seen Friday Morning around Spotify by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a- an album where it's tough to provide singles, I think, because you're kind of missing a big part of the album by just listening to one song. I feel like this is, like you are saying, this is an album meant to be listened to as an album, and I enjoy that, um, you know, from when we used to go buy CDs for $18 to get one song. I like the cohesiveness. I like the flow of the album. But yeah, it was a little bit too samey for me. I wish they had sort of experimented a little bit more with the, not vocals, but sort of like, I wish there was a couple more of the Evan Finds the Third Room moments on the album to sort of kind of break it up a little bit more. Okay, um, I enjoyed the album like I'm not gonna listen to it every day but mm-hmm. I feel like if I was to have a barbecue or if I was cooking in my kitchen I would definitely listen to it as uh, Dave expressed it's non-offensive like nobody's gonna be like turn that you know turn that shit down or anything like that I felt like it was good chill music if mm-hmm. that's you know the word to use I had absolutely no idea they were from Texas I didn't do <laughs> any research into it yeah. I thought it was like world music i wouldn't mm-hmm. have known how to categorize it and i think that's an awesome part that you know we have such a global world these days especially when it comes to music i loved the surf rock theme especially in maria tambien that's completely my jam and <laughs> i believe that was like the first song was that the opening song i think it was the third 
okay, I, I was listening to it on shuffle. So um, that really got me sort of into the mood because that was my first introductory song. Yeah. I also loved uh, People Everywhere, Staying Alive. Mm -hmm. That was another one I enjoyed. I wish there were more songs that were uh, more up-tempo. Exactly. And would make me sort of like want to move more rather than just sit and drink. But <laughs> <laughs> but I would definitely I would definitely listen to it again, and mm. I would uh, explore like other things that they've done, and I'm yeah. interested to see how they develop because this is new music to me, a bit repetitive, but um, I'm interested to see where they go next. Mm. You know, which country, which vibe they pick up next, because yeah. I feel like they would have yeah. the talent and the skills to do a lot of different types of music. So I think it's interesting that you said that they have this app called. Uh, so Kurangbin means airplane or literally flying oh, okay. engine in uh, Thai. So they have an app that creates playlists for you, and you decide you use the airport codes oh, and nice. decide from from then to. Wait, so the band developed this app, or this is just yeah, the app? band developed Get the, app, the app. It's it's really so cool. Yeah, you have to do that for your upcoming oh, travels. Oh, yes, they will. They will. It's really <laughs> cool. And what is the the app is called Kurangbin? Uh, it's called. Air Krong, yeah, I believe. I think, that's, I think that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah and oh. it's cool because you put in the airport codes, you know, mm -hmm. JFK to JB, whatever, and it'll then ask you a couple questions. Like, do you want coffee or do you want tea? And it's like, oh. coffee is more upbeat music. Tea yeah. is like a little more down. Yeah, and it asks you, I think, like five questions, and so then it, it creates, creates a playlist. It then for you. curates a, a playlist. That's awesome. And it's saying, do you want a direct flight or do you want stopovers? And then <laughs> it'll it'll bring music from in between too. Yeah. You know, so that's so awesome. That's that actually out. pretty cool. That gives a lot of context. Not not so much the actual music being produced, but yeah. to what music, what being in a band is now. I feel I know people who are in bands that you Lots know of side hustles. Right yes. now, now it is like if you got in before what ninety five and you made a name for yourself, you're pretty good. But now, if you want to be a musician, there's so many different platforms in which yeah. you have to approach the music. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like you were saying about exactly. the, the eighteen dollars CD, right? Yep. So I pay what ten bucks a month for Spotify Premium, yeah. mm -hmm. and I have all of the music, and yes. I wouldn't even have that if I was still buying CDs, you know. Yeah. Um, so it just it's you can't make any money. It's hard to make money, but so yeah. you have to branch out. So that is just that's such a cool way. It's, it's so like excited, it's almost actually. like it's almost like I three people stuff. got together and they all played like they had similar interests in music and started up here and was like, how do yeah. we let's find a word and then branch out to do different things exactly. with this as our base. So that's that actually provides a lot of context mm -hmm. to the music, which is cool. Yeah. So it was also said that they picked up some uh, Spain influences and uh, Moroccan for this second album. The reason why I gravitated to it kind of is because of uh, songs like Maria Tambien is, yes, it's repetitive, but uh, it's like I have a hip hop background mm -hmm. and it's like it's based <gasps> in samples. Right. And then like movements of samples. So right. like with Maria Tambien, you could see like they were like, uh, it was like a four bar, eight bar kind of thing. And then almost like even a 16 bar verse that was like made for like a hip hop vocal. Yeah. So it was just, it was just good for me to just sit in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like vibing. Maybe even like words were being improvised in my mm -hmm. mind. So it's yeah. like, it was you giving. You were using it as a I was, Yeah. Pad. I was like giving something back to it as mm -hmm. it was, you know, talking to me. So do you feel like they might have written the music? Um, keeping the thought that it might be used for samples for hip-hop or whatever in mind 
Maybe. Because yeah. I think about even, have you ever heard of a Manhattan Street Band? Mm-mm. Oh, I think I've they've been here. I could be wrong, but it sounds familiar. So they do this um, old type of soul stuff that is just like rich with things that could be sampled. That's cool. And like, uh, that's and another side hustle now, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So um, it could be possibly. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes me think about the, diff- the music differently. But I, when I was thinking about it, I thought about you a lot because mm-hmm. um, I was like, you're just versus me, who's just a music listener who sometimes plays guitar. Um, I'm definitely going to have a different experience than you will because you're a mm. DJ mm. and you're probably always thinking about how music can can connect with other types of mm. music and what's going to sound good at a certain type of event where I'm just like, what's going to get me through the night while I'm trying to make <laughs> another you know, dinner for my children or try to hit deadline or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely put this on when I'm with um, my kid riding around in the car in the summer because I feel like this is summertime music. Like, yeah. this is something I want to put the windows down and drive and listen to. Yeah. Um, but I also, I one reason I like um, instrumental music so much, I, like Jamel said, you get sort of like, like I do photography outside of work or I'm looking to start making films and everything. And you get some music sort of stirs something in your head and it gives mm-hmm. you like an idea. But yeah, I totally relate to what you're saying about getting something from music that you can take and do something else with. That's really uh that's really a special thing. All right, anything else? All right, let's do some ratings. Okay, so coming into this, I was gonna give it a one and then I've learned all this context <laughs> and I kinda wanna give it a two, but I'm still gonna give it a one. Okay. A one. I'm sorry. One. I'm gonna give it a solid two. Definitely a two. All right. And now we get to do with the food. Okay. Deanna, why don't you tell us why you decided turmeric as the ingredient of choice? Yeah, I went with turmeric because I feel like it's a um, it's an ingredient that's really trendy and really popular, but I still don't think people know what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't before. Yeah, so it's actually like a root. It's a rhizome, kind of like uh, ginger. And people, a lot of times, like, I think the how it got really popular is people were juicing it. Like, they would do ginger or beets or whatever. Um, it creates this really bright color. Most people in their life have had turmeric and they don't realize it because they add it just to yellow mustard. That's what makes mustard yellow. Huh, um, so it's actually been that. used as like a dye. It's been, it has a lot of various commercial uses. Um, so yeah, that's what makes, cause mustard seeds are not yellow enough to make it that yellow. It's like yeah. day glow yellow and you, you know, turmeric is really bright. Um, but yeah, and it's also kind of, you see it pop up across cultures, which is also really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like an oregano or garlic or something like that. So you see it a lot in Southeast Asian cooking, Indian a lot in yes. Indian Bangladeshi cooking. I just interviewed a woman who's um, from Israel. She's an Israeli cook. She cooks a lot of it there. Um, and then you do see it in Central America, South America, the Caribbean, um, which is, is really cool. And you know, it's always been at the grocery store. You pay your six bucks or whatever for the little tiny jar of it. And then you use it once, it goes kind of stale. You never know what to do with it. Um, so I'm just glad it's having, and, and it's really, really good for your body too. It's really good anti-inflammatory. So it gets your, your heart pumping and all sorts of healthy things for your blood. Yeah, I agree with the um, cross-culture thing. It gives, it gives you a lot of different options of how to use it and how to cook with it. And mm-hmm. there's not just one or two recipes out there. You look on the internet and you search turmeric recipes and it's like top 50. Right. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I yeah I do feel like it's one of those things that's prime for people to start mm-hmm. using a lot more because they already are and a lot of things like you said yeah. they don't even know it. Yeah, 
I didn't know, that's for sure. It doesn't really have like a really distinct taste. Like when you taste cinnamon, you're like, yes. that's cinnamon. Yes. Or mm -hmm. when you taste uh, basil, oh, that's basil. But it doesn't really have like that. It just has like a warm. Yeah, subtle warmth. Um, it kind of gets you a little bit right on the tip of your tongue. And it is, excuse me, it is a little bit bitter. It does have a little bit, especially if you eat it raw. Mm -hmm. It's bitter. It's way more abrasive. Like I've tried just like peeling it and dicing it, you know, mincing it really finely like ginger, fresh ginger. Not quite doesn't quite go the same as with ginger. Yeah. It's like really overpowering. Um, but it's it's awesome stuff, yeah. I definitely know what you're saying about the yellow. Uh, my fingers were mm -hmm. totally yellow last night. I yeah. was like, what <laughs> the heck? Um, Nicotine stain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I this. started coughing immediately. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I made um, turmeric and lime grilled chicken. Um, I first tried to make President Obama's chili recipe, for, which was on <laughs> PBS.org. It came out super watery. Mm. Um, Why watery? What's in it that made I, it watery? I just don't know if I did it wrong or there's nothing to sort of strengthen it. I don't know what I'm looking for. Thicken it? Yeah, thicken it. I Or I just did something wrong. So that was my first try. And then I tried a baked chicken with turmeric and honey. And it had to be, I didn't listen to my wife who told me to butterfly the chicken. <laughs> and of course she was right because the uh, chicken took too long to cook and the honey like burned. So that was oh, yum. my second adventure. Dave, <laughs> were you using turmeric powder or root? Powder. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, don't have the time to. I was <laughs> like, I yeah. have turmeric in the spice cabinet. There yeah, that's go. right. <laughs> and then I, my wife found this for me, thankfully. She's the best co-pilot. And I was like, yeah, grill, I can do that. I do that a lot already. So... <laughs> But I do like, it's one of those things, like you said, you just can throw in there and it gives like that nice feeling to the thing. And it's easy to put in a recipe with a bunch of other tastes that you like. And it doesn't, it doesn't like overwhelm anything else. Everything I feel like it nicely blends with other things and that helps you um, use it a lot more than you would yeah. other things like basil or oregano. Right, and even just adding like a tiny bit, even if you just do like um, a quarter teaspoon it adds so much vibrancy in color alone. Exactly. It makes it like, seem like you really cook something, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Dave's like, really dish looks guys. like Look. the ultimate like barbecue, mm -hmm. you know, summer chicken right. that you want to see off the grill. Right. Thank you. I take pride in my grill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to well, struggle getting your... For oh, man. <laughs> I decided to go with um, frozen popsicles with the turmeric. Um, I wanted to try something that I haven't done before, and now my summer is going to be defined by all the popsicles <laughs> I can make. So for the rest of this podcast, no matter the ingredient, I'll probably be doing it in popsicle form. <laughs> I like it. So, so please, nice. you know, decide, you know, be, you know, cautious, whatever, <laughs> you know, my co-hosts decide to choose for next <laughs> month's um, secret ingredient. But um, I found this recipe on a website called Jar of Lemons. Oh, and I know that it, website, yeah. And it called for <laughs> coconut milk, agave syrup, turmeric, and ginger, and frozen peaches, which you really don't taste in the popsicle. And I'm a huge peach fan, so I'm a little disappointed in that. But I um, grated the fresh uh, turmeric and I grated fresh ginger. And I think I probably should have upped both levels. And um, my special twist that I put on it was I grated some lime zest as well and put in some lime juice. I kind of think the lime has maybe overtaken the, you know, I taste the peach. You do uh, taste I the peach? I was going to say I taste really? peach also. Yeah, I don't taste the peach at all. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're... Scottish. Can you say the ingredients? <laughs> 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 
What's a haggis? I'm not used to fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm from Scotland. (laughs) Can you say the ingredients one more time? Okay, the ingredients were agave syrup. I think I should have maybe stepped that up a bit. Maybe made it a bit. You don't think it needed to be sweetener? Um, So it was agave syrup, frozen peaches, coconut milk, um, freshly grated turmeric, um, freshly grated ginger, and some lime zest and some lime juice. Yeah. And then put it in the blender, then you pour it in. I think the most forward for me were the coconut milk and the peach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I taste the coconut and the lime. I get the peach right in the front of my tongue. Yeah. And I think I probably yeah. should have done the more turmeric because then it would have been a beautiful bright yellow. And it's mm. kind of a beige putty color right now. <laughs> so I think that would have been an indicator that there was more turmeric in it. Do you think if you're looking for it or if you're like, I want to taste peach? And you yeah, there's never else? enough peachiness, I guess, <laughs> is what it comes down to. Unless it's in some artificial seltzer water. Then I'm oh all yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. It's got mm-hmm. enough peach flavor for me. I'm definitely going to use turmeric again now that I've seen the other recipes we have mm-hmm. here. Because I have the root at home. Mm-hmm. Um, probably should look up and see if it can be frozen. But Yes. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Just ask again. Just like ginger, right? Just Yep, you just freeze it and it'll be easier to use. Originally, I thought that I was gonna have to cook the turmeric down, mm-hmm. like cook it in the coconut milk, mm-hmm. but everything I read said that it was okay just to put it in raw, mm-hmm. because that's how they do it in juicers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, an interesting, exciting ingredient to work with. Yeah. Especially if you wanna add just that pop of color. Yeah. If you're going a yellow-themed. Yeah. <laughs> yellow brick road party, yeah. Yellow submarine party, oh. Perfect, yeah, the, the, yeah. <laughs> the themes are endless. I think it's so funny that our dishes go so well together. It's like yeah, <laughs> complete yeah. I have to say, like they all go really rice well. and proteins, and then we have the little dessert, mm-hmm. and then the sauce that goes really well. Like the, the I chicken. had everything together, the rice and the sauce and mm-hmm. and the chicken together, and it just just tasted really well mm-hmm. together. Um, so what I did was yellow saffron uh, rice, uh, Caribbean rice. Uh, yellow saffron is another name for turmeric. So can and I just ask a question? So this wasn't this was white rice. This was white white rice. Okay. That, that was um yeah colored with uh, turmeric. Okay. So I thought it might <coughs> be Spanish rice, but it's yeah it's so beautiful and mm-hmm. it's like confetti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the dish called for and this is from homemadezagat.com, and it called uh, for jasmine rice. I ended up using the rice that I had in my home, which was uh, long grain uh, rice. Well, it wasn't jasmine rice. Uh, red pepper, green pepper, carrots, turmeric, thyme, celery. There's some celery in there, chopped up really finely. And then scotch bonnet peppers. Uh, I couldn't find them in the, the grocery store that was closest to me, so I just went for habaneros. I really do like the taste of scotch bonnets, though. So I have ended up putting some uh, scotch bonnet uh, sauce in there. Mm. Uh, I keep a lot of hot sauce in my <laughs> yeah. house, so... I have a couple different uh, types of Trinidad and mm-hmm. How uh, many tomato. are a couple? <laughs> <laughs> Two dozen? No, not that many. <laughs> like, do you have but a cupboard I, I or a pantry that's just dedicated? <laughs> not that many, but I have, like, very specialized kinds. Like, I have a few different types of uh, Caribbean hot sauces and... Um, have you ever tried have, making your own? I, I love sriracha. I love gochujang. Mm-hmm. Um, Peri-peri? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was just in South Africa right. um, On a couple months ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love this, uh, what, what's called calypso sauce. 
Have, has anyone ever had that? And, no. and that's a scotch bonnet base, but then also mustard mm. is in there and ginger and, and stuff like that. And it's super hot, but it's delicious. And I, and I put that inside of the rice because I thought uh, the the recipe wasn't that flavorful. Okay. It was a good recipe. It, it made for good rice, but I definitely had to kick it up a notch. And, and I put a little bit of curry powder in there as well. Oh, yeah. Which has turmeric. Yep. Yeah. And then also I smoked up a 14-pound a brisket <laughs> this past weekend. There you go. And, I, and the brisket was made very simply with just chipotle powder and uh, salt and garlic salt. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it still produced a beautiful bark on it. And um, I ended up taking those leftovers, chopped it up, and making uh, just like a, a Jamaican brisket. You know, thyme soy sauce, allspice, pepper, garlic. Did you say in the rice that you put, uh, there's golden raisins, yeah? Golden raisins, too, yeah. yeah. I put it's golden really raisins good. in there. It's like yeah. a, little surprise, <laughs> a little surprise party, yep. a little sweetness. Yeah. I will say, as someone who's doesn't, or is trying to get into more spice and hot food, but still has like a, just a very low... Tolerance? Yeah, it? this is <coughs> actually, is perfect for me. Yeah. I get a little bit of the kick and the heat, but... Mm. As long as I'm not like downing it in one thing, it's yeah, totally fine for me. Yeah, I didn't want to kick your ass with it. Because yeah, I yeah, do like you. spicy. Yeah, and food. it's not like yeah. yeah, it's not like that real like when you put hot sauce on, it's like hot, but it's also really acidic. Yeah, and this is just like really warm and mellow, but mm-hmm. spicy yes. like it lingers for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I made I just made a um, quick dressing that I've been putting on everything. I put it on chicken, fish, um, in couscous. Mm. Uh, I put a little bit on some some yogurt. Um, it was really good. So it has turmeric. It's bright yellow, um, but it also has tahini. Tahini is really the base. Yeah. And I'm a big, tahini is just sesame paste, and I eat a ton of tahini. Um, so it's tahini, sesame paste. Uh, I'm sorry, tahini, turmeric, lemon juice, a little bit of olive oil, a tiny, tiny bit of cayenne. Um, I put a, just a tiny dollop of honey in there just to kind of balance it out. Yeah. And um, some salt. And if it gets a little thick, um, you can I thinned it out with a little bit of water because a lot of times the acid if you make this at home the acid will bind everything together like it seems really smooth and all of a sudden it's like a clump so just add a little water and you're fine mm. um, but I used powdered turmeric but I think that if you use like a turmeric juice you would mm. end up um, not needing the water you could just add that in and you still get the same result so but it's just a nice it keeps for you can make it a week ahead and it keeps and um, just stir it together stir it and go you Are powder like stronger than the actual ingredient? Uh, not always. A lot of times it is because all the volatile it's concentrated. acid. Yeah, it, it concentrates, right? And um, then it just, you know, people put too much in sometimes, um, not realizing that, you know, it's not a one-to-one measure kind of situation. But I feel like with turmeric, like fresh turmeric, that's, uh, that's very strong. So I'm not sure which one is more strong, to be honest. But um, kind of like fresh ginger and powdered ginger, too. I feel like it's more of a root thing than an actual, like, tree spice mm-hmm. like cinnamon is just bark mm-hmm. nutmeg is just like a little berry so yeah i think everyone did a great job agreed Hi. give it threes go ahead <laughs> <Rate> it. <laughs> <Rate> it. <laughs> all right um i am going to give it a three because as i said in my initial thing i tried three recipes which were all i mean chili and two types of chicken not that much different than the two chickens but <laughs> it's not like i had you know, five recipes to choose from or something that were popular online or whatever. 
Um, I had a ton of options, different cultures, which I still have to expand my cooking, as you, you guys can tell. You're doing a great job so far. Oh, so thank you. Pat really yourself good. on the back. So, uh, but I agree, like, I really appreciate all the different recipe options that we had. So I think it was uh, definitely an interesting ingredient to look up and to try to cook with and something I'll be using in the future. Okay, I'm going to go with a solid two. I'm definitely going to, now that I have the fresh turmeric at home, I'm going to freeze half of it and I'm going to try and incorporate it into some of my menu planning this week as it is an anti-inflammatory anti mm -hmm. ingredient. Um, still need to probably eat more of it to develop and figure out what the actual taste is. It would be nice to figure out how to make it more of a forefront ingredient mm. instead of just sort of the background warmth. But it's a good foundation, it seems, for a lot of recipes. Same, same uh, thoughts. It's like I, w I want it to be more present in, in the dishes I make, but I would just use curry powder. And like there are a bunch of curry powders that are more turmeric uh, forward, and yeah. you know whether that's a, a, a Jamaican or a Indian curry or Indian yellow curry or or whatever it may be. That's probably what I would use because they're a little more complex, and I can, and that's how I would use it in my food. Um, so I would go with two. Alrighty, that concludes that part. We have rated everything. I get to choose next time. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Dave's the winner. It was Nutshell that brought me down to. <sighs> I did not do that on purpose, <laughs> I promise. As you can tell. Uh, yeah, you were very <laughs> passionate about your dislike for it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to recommend for next time Agnes O'Bell's Aventine. Um, she is a, I guess you call her a composer. She plays piano, sings, writes her songs. And her albums are sparse. They have a cello along with her piano and voice, and I think a couple other instruments. But I'm usually, I like a band sound or a full sound. I'm not someone who would like, would listen to Iron and Wine or something like that, except in rare occasions. But I feel like hers is sparse, but has enough instrumentation and flow to the songs where you're, you're not left hanging on, you know, a few twinkly acoustic guitar notes for a long time or a hushed tone. Um, those are in there, but I feel like it has enough of a, a band sound and a haunting sound to it that it, it keeps it going. So that's my recommendation. Okay, my recommendation for next month is Hedvig and the Angry Inch. This uh, film defined my high school years. Maybe, actually, maybe define is the wrong term as I'm not a transsexual a musician from <laughs> post-war Germany. However, this film, it's about identity and it's a musical and it blessed us with these unforgettable lyrics. Six inches forward and five inches back, I've got an angry inch, yeah. <laughs> and we should say, I totally forgot, I'm doing the listen category and Louise is doing watch. And now for a feed. So feed, I think I might switch up a little bit <laughs> because I wanted to do pocket food, but then now I'm thinking like, that's too easy. No. You saw that we were all excited about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> that's You've my decided favorite, to do this. That's selfish. my favorite kind of food, food that's self-contained. 
<laughs> that you can just eat the whole thing. Hey, no it's, it's his choice. Yeah, it's, it's his, his choice. choice. The man's got the mic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so, um, and then I, I thought, like, I wanted it to be, like, fried pocket foods. Mm. and But that, that might not travel too well here um, from wherever you're coming from. So I want to do an ingredient, and I'm going to do the scotch bonnet pepper. Oh, good boy. And I love the scotch bonnet pepper because, like, people want to say that it's just, like, exactly what the habanero is. But, no, it has, like, it has more character to it. And I, I've, I noticed this. Oh. I'm wildly excited that you picked that. <laughs> I'm, like, so excited. Oh, okay. I can't wait to go home. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> She's so going to do a pocket food with scotch. Yeah. No. <laughs> pepper, which, by the way, is my nickname, scotch bonnet pepper. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 will be from now on. So I really noticed this when I had a scotch bonnet pepper uh, sorbet uh, down in Houston one time. And I was just like, I just loved it. And then, you know, just what it does to Caribbean food, it, it really just defines a lot of Caribbean food. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm Not excited about it, too. <laughs> um, so I have the read category for this month. And I picked um, James Salter, who's an author I really, really highly admire. Um, he passed away like five, three years ago, maybe. Um, but he was a, a pilot, I believe, and kind of came into literature late in his life. Um, but his book, A Sport and a Pastime, it's very quick. It's about a sordid love affair um, and also sport. So um, I'm really excited. I hope everybody likes it. Well, thank you guys for uh, bringing all this wonderful stuff. And I hope uh, everyone who's listened this far has enjoyed the show and will watch, read, listen, feed with us the next month. And we would love to hear how you enjoy these things. And that is our show. Thank you, everyone. Watch, Read, Listen, Feed is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio and is recorded at the Linda, WAMC's Performing Arts Studio. The podcast is hosted by myself, Dave Hopper, Louise Hendry, Jamel Mosley, and Deanna Fox. Our opening song this month was Maria Tambien by Krungbin, and our closing theme was M's Journey from the Coherence soundtrack. To write in with your opinions on what we're watching, reading, listening, and feeding on, please send your email to wrlf at wamc.org. You can also find us on WAMCpodcast.org, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again next month. Thank you.